ask you this before we read the passage. How many of you, I, I know it's a struggle sometimes to sit down and read scripture. I struggle often to sit down and read scripture. But how many of you spend hours on your Facebook just scrolling and scrolling? Oh, and then you see one of those quizzes and you take 20 minutes to do a quiz to determine what, which Spice Girl you are. <laughs> right? You know, or which Marvel character you are. Hours! How many of you sit down for 45 minutes in the evening trying to decide which Netflix show you're going to watch? Not even watching a show, just scanning through it and trying to figure out which show you're going to watch. And then it's 10 o'clock at night and you think, oh, screw this, I'm just going to go to bed. <laughs> Instead of doing that, open your Bible and just read and listen to the words that are there. It does you no good knowing which Spice Girl you are. Absolutely no earthly use whatsoever. But reading these words, my dear friends, will utterly transform your life. So instead of 20 minutes doing the one, spend 20 minutes doing this. And God will bless you richly. Nehemiah and chapter 1. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. Now it happened in the month of Kislev in the 20th year. As I was in Susa, the capital, that Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We've acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. They are your servants and your people, whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O oh Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now, I was cupbearer to the king. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, 
and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We are Christians, or at least most of us are Christians. Some of us are Christians. We profess the name of Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. As we uh, uh, seek to know him more and more, one of our desires is, I would hope, to discover more of Jesus in Scripture. So some of you are maybe wondering, well, if our desire and our hope and our goal is to know more about Jesus and to know more of Jesus, then why in the name of all that is holy, Ian, are you reading us a passage from the Old Testament? What in the world has that got to do with anything? We're Christians. We're people of the New Testament. What in the world has the Old Testament got to do with us? Well, let me encourage you that the, New, the Old Testament has everything to do with us. Where to begin here? For all kinds of reasons, the Old Testament is vital for us as Christians. First of all, let me, let me say this. There is, there's a saying, and I don't know that I know the saying exactly, but um, the saying goes something like this. If we do not learn from the past, then we are doomed to make the same mistakes over and over again. If we don't learn from the past, we're doomed to make the same mistakes over and over. That's maybe not the exact saying, but it's something like that, isn't it? I think we're all familiar with that, with that type of thing. Now, in our own lives, in our life as a, as a church, there's a, there's a reality that we all have to face, that there are times when we have been, how can I say this, less than perfect. I know all of us would like to think that we are as close to perfection as we could possibly be, um, but the reality is all of us are very, very far from perfection. And both as individuals and as a church. And as we consider our imperfections, as we consider the mistakes that we may have made both as individuals and as a church in the past, and what that does is it helps us to remember where we've been, it helps us to remember where we've come from, and hopefully it prevents us from making those same errors again and again. That's why it's important for us to tell our story as a church and to be reminded about our story as a church. That's why as individuals it's so important for us not just to keep on plowing forward, but to look back and to say, okay, where did I screw up in the past? Where have I made mistakes? And to be honest about ourselves and about our our errors, about our failures, about our brokenness, about our sin, and to face all those things and be willing in Jesus Christ to move forward from them and not keep repeating those same things. So one of the things that I think it's, it's vital, the Old Testament is vital for, is to retell the stories of the people of God. And to look back 
over those stories and see again and again and again the places where God's people have consistently made mistakes and what's happened as a result of those mistakes and how God has dealt with his people as a result of those mistakes. Not just in the book of Nehemiah. You go back to the very, very beginning, you see God graciously placing the man and the woman in this garden with all the provision that's there for them. He said to them, you can eat of of all the fruit of all the trees apart from that one there. Just don't eat the fruit from that tree. But you've got the scope of the entire garden. Just that one thing. And what do the man and woman want to do? That one thing. There is always a drive. There is an innate drive in each of us in humanity to always do the thing that God does not want us to do. That's the reality of who you are and who I am. It's the human condition. It's our sinfulness. It's the thing that keeps us apart from God. The Old Testament reminds us again and again. In the garden, the man and woman, they went their own way. And they had to leave the garden. But God remained faithful and God remained gracious. As people flourished in the world, they went further and further away from God in their depravity. And the story goes in Genesis chapter 6 where God sent a flood over the whole world. And God's discipline was on the whole world, all that he has created. And yet God, even although humanity chose to do their own thing, God remained faithful and saved for himself a remnant. Through the floodwaters, in the ark, Noah and his family. Then God called to himself a particular family, the family of of Abraham. And and the bulk of the Old Testament is telling the story of the family of, of Abraham. And again and again we find that they drifted away and went their own way and did their own thing. And yet again and again, even as God disciplined God's people, he remained faithful again and again. So what we find throughout the pages of the Old Testament are clear reminders of our own sinfulness and of God's grace. That's why studying the Old Testament is so vital for each and every one of us because it reminds us it reminds you as individuals it reminds us as a church that we will always choose to go our own way and God is constantly drawing us back to him through all kinds of means but they are all means of his grace Because as the verse that we shared with the children this morning reminds us, he loves us and longs for us to be back in a relationship with him. That's the first thing that I think it's important for us to recognize as we go back and we look into the pages of the Old Testament. It reminds us of our sinfulness and of God's amazing 
grace. The second thing that I think is important for us to look back over the Old Testament is because unless we have, have at least a cursory understanding of the stories of some of the systems that there are in the Old Testament, then we are never going to have any real concept of what's going on in the New Testament. The book of Hebrews, for example, just to pick one book, is filled again and again and again with more than just allusions to the, to the Old Testament. Everything in the book of Hebrews is rooted and based in the, in the priestly system, in the sacrificial system of, of the book of Leviticus and elsewhere. And if we do not understand what is happening in the Old Testament, the stories of the Old Testament, the structures of the Old Testament, then we will never understand the New Testament. Matthew's Gospel. We've talked about in the past how Matthew's Gospel is one of the most Jewish of all the Gospels. Again and again, Matthew pulls uh, passages and verses and allusions and references directly from the pages of the Old Testament and lays them out. This happened, says Matthew in, in his telling of the story of the life of Jesus. This happened in order that this scripture might be fulfilled. And this happened in order that this scripture might be fulfilled. And this happened in order that this scripture might be fulfilled. We need to know the scriptures of the Old Testament in order to understand the new. Think about last year as we began our study in Luke's Gospel. At the very beginning of Luke's Gospel, as we look at the birth narratives, we saw how so much of these characters and so much of the stories that were mentioned in, in both Luke and in, in, in Matthew's Gospel, they all relate back to stories and events and characters from the very beginning of the Old Testament. Unless we're familiar with the Old, we'll never grasp the extent of the new. That's the second thing. The third thing is we have a we have a tendency in our lives to compartmentalize, don't we? Um, we we live in I think now we talk about being in, in silos and our daily lives are are often siloed. There are parts of our life that belong to our families. There are parts of our lives that belong to our, our work. And sometimes who we are with our family and who we are in our places of work, they're very, very different. And there are parts of our lives that we see as belonging to our, our faith and our spirituality. And an hour on a Sunday morning, maybe if we're part of some other type of fellowship group, those are when we are Christian. But the rest of the time we can be whoever the heck we want to be. What happens in Vegas, we say, stays in Vegas. No, it doesn't! <laughs> doesn't. The Old Testament reminds us that we cannot be siloed. We cannot live our lives in little cubicles, in little compartments. All of life has come from God. All of life belongs to God. Every single aspect of life. The Old Testament reminds us of that again and again. God provided for the people in the wilderness. God provided leaders for them as they entered the promised land. Judges 
who would govern them. God gave them a wonderful king who was a very broken man, but a wonderful king nonetheless in David. God provided for them, as, we, as we'll learn in this uh, story of Nehemiah, God provided them with this wonderful man who was the cupbearer to the king. He was an administrator who rebuilt the city and rebuilt the people of God. He and Ezra were in partnership together, a priest and an administrator working hand in hand. All of life belongs to God because it's all come from God. And as we go through the pages of the Old Testament, we will be reminded of that again and again. And finally, the last thing, and this is so important, and if, if the rest of it doesn't make any sense, or you forget the rest of it, that's fine, but I want you to remember this. After, uh, after Easter Sunday, we spent a lot of time looking at the last chapter of, of Luke's Gospel. And one thing that kept com coming up again and again was the story of Jesus on the road to Emmaus, you remember? As Jesus was on the road to Emmaus, he met these two folks and he opened up script the Scriptures to them. And as he opened up the Scriptures to them, now when it says he opened up the Scriptures, bear in mind that the Scriptures he opened up to them were not the New, was not the New Testament, but it was what we call the Old Testament. It was the Hebrew Scriptures. He opened them all up to him. And in all the prophets, in all the law, in all the books of Moses, in the whole of Scripture, he showed them himself. He showed them himself. In John's Gospel, we have a wonderful verse where Jesus is talking with the Pharisees. And in the discussion that he's having with them, they're talking about how they love to study Scripture. And they love to read the words. And they mess with the words and they play with the words and they do all kinds of things with the Scripture. And Jesus says to them, listen, you're, you're approaching this just like a book. You're reading these pages, you're reading these words, thinking that in the words themselves, you're going to have everything that you need. And he goes on to say, well, here's the challenge. These very words that you are reading, they point to me. But you refuse to come to me. That you might have life. Friends, Scripture reminds us of our brokenness and of God's graciousness. The Old Testament does that. The Old Testament reminds us that God is in all things. Most importantly, in the pages of the Old Testament, we find the truth about who our Lord Jesus is. That's why it's so vital for us not just to stick with the New Testament, but to spend time in the Old. Opening the Word. Listening to what God would say. Listening to discover more of who Jesus is as our Savior, as our Lord, even in the pages of the Old. Dare I say, especially in the pages of the Old. So as we, for the next few weeks, go through this book of Nehemiah, it tells the story of this 
man who, when he realized the brokenness of God's people, he committed himself to rebuilding them and bringing them back to the Lord. May we see this more than just the story of someone who is a leader. May we see this more than simply the story of someone building or rebuilding a wall. A lot of wall talk, isn't there? Let's move beyond all of that and look to see that this story of Nehemiah, when he talks about rebuilding the city, is all about rebuilding the people of God. And may we be reminded that God desires to rebuild each and every one of us to be the people that he is calling us to be through his Son. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.